Good morning, family. How are you guys today? It is good to be here in the house of the Lord with you. Uh, without any further ado, let's jump right into the scripture and, um, and let's read the passage for this morning. It'll be a short one from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 14 and 15. I'll give you a minute to meet me there. Mark 1, verse 14. So this here is referring to John the Baptist when it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's take a minute to pray together before we get into this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the fullness of time that you lead us into. We thank you, Jesus, for your ultimate sacrifice for us to bring us and return us to the Father. This morning we pray that you would open our ears and eyes, that our hearts would be open to receive your word and that, Holy Spirit, in us, that you would give us the strength, the boldness to step into the kingdom that you have brought near. Help us, Father, rather than to sit back and spectate and watch what you are doing. Instead, dive into it and participate in the kingdom of God which you have brought near. We love you in this place. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, family, um, we actually dropped off Elijah, our 12-year-old son, uh, to summer camp for a nine-day overnight camp. Has anyone ever been to an overnight camp as a child? Yeah, so maybe you kind of know the vibe that you get like when you go to this camp. And this, this camp we brought him to is right here in Portsmouth, called Portsmouth Camp. And so we brought him there, and I actually went to this camp when I was a kid. So I was trying to give him the rundown and get, lay out some expectations for him. And we brought him, we dropped him off on a Saturday. And the camp, when you, when you show up, it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a ghost town. And we're, I'm trying to show him the ropes. You bring him to the guy's dorm, put his stuff down. You see people's things everywhere, but there's no people around. And so we're walking around, and he sees these buildings with like chipping paint. It kind of looks like a, a ghost town. And you're walking around, and I'm trying to get him familiar with the place. And a few people are sitting on the porch of their cottage, like giving you the look, chewing on their cud. And, and he, start, he was so amped to go to this camp. And then we arrive, and he's like, what, this is the place? What, where do you bring me? And as we're bringing him, as he's getting a scope of like what exactly this looks like, he starts saying like under his breath to, to Sly, he's like, I can't believe you guys are leaving me here. <laughs> you guys are really going to stick me in this place? <laughs> Meanwhile, we're like, yes, freedom. At the same time, Bella was going to her, her away camp too. <laughs> and so, but I said, all right, look, bud, this is how it goes. This is summer camp. You're going to go the first day, the second day. You don't know anybody. It feels weird. It feels awkward. Like you're getting over some of that strangeness and you're just sparking some new relationships. But, but then by the, the next few days, you, you get comfortable. And because it was right in Portsmouth, we did. I went three days later and just kind of peek on him and check on him, and he was having an absolute blast. And by the end of the week, didn't want to come back. He didn't want to come home. 
As a matter of fact, when, after he came home, he's, you kind of have that post-camp like lull. Like, oh man, like I just wish I could go back with my, my friends. Because like, there's something about going away to camp that just, it changes time. It's almost like you kind of hit the pause button on life and you're just at camp and wherever you float, whatever happens, like you're doing these day trips and stuff, but you're not really paying attention to time any longer. It's like you've stepped out of the monotony of day by day by day and you're just enjoying people and new experiences. And there's something so special about that. And that's why I think camps like these are so impressionable, really for for our lives. You don't forget these experiences because there's something special about it. Time changes in these moments. And that's actually what I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes this morning is this idea of time. Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Well, in the Greek, there's two words for time. One is chronos, which is this idea of um, it's sequential time. It's chronological time. It's something that you can add. It's quantitative. But then there's this, this time that they use the word Kairos, kairos, and it's not quantity of time, it's about quality of time. It's not a specific time, but by kairos, the idea is it's a critical or an opportune moment. It's a seize the moment kind of moment. It's a, it's a moment for decision or action. And so when Jesus says the time has come, he's saying there's the moment for decision, for action has arrived. It's among us. What is that moment? The kingdom of God is here. The moment has arrived. Has anybody here um, ever been skydiving? I know my friends Ryan and Jenny in the back, and we were talking about that just last week, actually. My wife wants to go skydiving. She was telling me about that, but she, um, I said, let's just wait till the kids are raised and out of the house, and then, <laughs> and then you can go and have that experience. <laughs> But when you go skydiving, what, what you do is you've you got to get all your gear on, you get in the plane, you fly, you've got to get to the right altitude, the right speed, you've got to go out the right direction, the wind has to be kind of moving the right way. And then when all that is lined up, it's the moment to jump. Leave the plane and just jump into the middle of the air, thousands of feet in the air. That's a Kairos moment. That's a moment of action, of opportunity. Another Kairos moment is is um, I was uh, the moment of, of birth. A woman who becomes pregnant, you're waiting, you're counting down the days. You have a general idea of when it's going to happen, but you really don't know, okay, it's going to happen on August 21st at 3.30 p.m. No, no, you don't know when it's going to come. You just wait, just wait patiently. Month eight, get this thing out of me. <laughs> I remember with... Uh, when, <laughs> Well, I watched you a couple times. <laughs> when she, so when we had Arabella, our first, our first daughter, um, we had a couple of fa- false alarms when she thought she was going into labor, right? And then so one night in the middle of the night, it was probably two or three in the morning. D- stop, don't go any further. Okay. <laughs> so she nudges me and she wakes me up and I, when I sleep and I'm like dead asleep. And so she wakes me up. She's like, Ed, Ed, I think it's the time. I think my water broke. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just another false alarm. But she's like being insistent, insistent. I'm like, no, honey, please, don't waste your time going to the hospital. It's not, it's not time. 
Well, she was so insistent. I was like, all right, well, all right, let's go. So she, she had all her, her, her go bag was all ready to go and everything. But I'm like so groggy. I'm dropping. She actually got in the car um, and drove me in, in our five-speed manual transition car to the hospital. And she was right. She was right. <laughs> it was the moment. That was the day. That's a Kairos moment. But I didn't, I didn't know. And I, I didn't, I, trust me, if we could go back, I, I would have... <laughs> That's a, Kairos, that's a Kairos moment. It's an opportunity to, to take advantage of the moment. Seize the moment. Not like I did on that particular morning. You feel my face? <laughs> okay, thank you. Somebody feels my face. <laughs> I'm done, huh? I'm done. I'm going to hear about it later. <laughs> so, right? Ephesians 5.16 says this. Make the most of every... Kairos, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now is the time. Seize, seize the moment. There's an author by the name of Madeline Lengo who she talks about Kairos time. She has a really cool quote about Kairos. And what she says is this. Kairos is that time which breaks through Kronos with a shock of joy. That time we do not recognize while we are experiencing it, but only afterwards. In Kairos, we are completely unself-conscious. A child at play is in Kairos. An artist at work is in Kairos. A Christian in worship is in Kairos. In Kairos, we become what we are called to be as human beings, co-creators with God, touching the wonder of creation. These Kairos moments are the moments that we are made for. This experience that we're looking for, they hold a deeper, a deeper richness than anything else in life could possibly possess. They're not moments for now or for later, but they're moments that we find in God as we move according to his time, according to his plan, and let him carry us moment by moment from season to season. See, the tricky part about Kairos moments is this. The culture that we're living in is really all about immediate gratification. We want things now so that we can move on to the next thing. It's all about speed. It's getting things done faster, more efficiently, easier, moving on to the next thing. Name the goal. Okay, what's the deadline? Okay, now do your best to beat the deadline. We actually reward this kind of behavior. If we, if we beat deadlines, there's, there's bonus incentive, incentives. Our reputation gets better. Like, oh, he did it faster than he even expected. We reward speed, but we live in a time where we're getting pushed along the next thing, the next thing, and, and society doesn't want us to just sit and be. We lost the, the, the crockpot value of just letting things marinate and simmer and just develop. See, these... These are the moments where Kairos moments exist as we just let things simmer. It's all in God's time, and it's not in the time as we move it, as we force it along. We can't create these kinds of moments with our effort. We sit back and we let these moments occur as God gives us opportunity. It would benefit us so much, and we come to realize that the things that things are not best when we're done at a certain speed or time or a particular method, but when we do things in God's time, 
in God's way within his kingdom. See, the cool thing as believers is this, that we can bring whatever we do under the authority of his kingdom. This kingdom is a spiritual place. It's a spiritual existence. And so it's not somewhere that we have to go. It's somewhere that is in us. And so when we're living in the kingdom of God and we're experiencing that, you carry that now with you and you apply that to whatever you're putting your hands to do. We have become carriers of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said here in, in, in the book of Mark, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. It's not hiding any longer. It's not out of reach. It has come near. See, that puts, that puts the ball in our court now. We don't search and seek after this. Where is it, this mysterious thing? It's right here. It's here. And we live it. That moment of decision on our part has arrived. It demands a decision. What do we want to do with it? See, I believe that the time has come for the church, God's church, to rise up and experience a new level of the manifestation of God like we've not seen or experienced or rarely even heard of before. The time has come. The Kairos opportunity is among us. It, the decision is ours. The moment of decision has arrived. It's not something we seek after, but something that we instead participate in. We don't go and look for it. We carry it. We demonstrate it. We show that the kingdom has come by how we live. I think about it like the um, parable that Jesus used when he was teaching people not to judge one another. He said, far be it from you to go and try to take the speck out of that person's eye when you've got a plank sticking out of yours. He's pointing the person back to themselves Self-reflect. This kingdom, it's not, oh, where is it? Where it? Well, you're looking in the wrong direction. The kingdom is here. Do you want to experience it? Come near to the kingdom that has come near to you. This is the moment for us to seize. And as we live in that kingdom and we let that thing resonate within us and we carry it wherever we go in that way, we have the ability to create kairos moments, those moments of opportunity for those all around us who don't even know the Lord or anything about the kingdom of God. How many know you can visit the United States without being a citizen? You can experience it. Well, people can experience a taste of the kingdom of God without being residents of it too, without being citizens. How? By interacting with its citizens as we are faithful to carry the kingdom wherever we go, people get little glimpses, a little glimmer. What is the kingdom of God like? Look at that person. Something's different. It sticks out. They experience the kingdom of God as we carry that faithfully wherever we go. Not expecting it to happen to us, but we now, we have been put on the offensive. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We move in this world. We are carriers of that kingdom. We happen to the world the world doesn't happen to us. We carry that Holy Spirit who creates these moments. And now the moment has come for us as the body of Christ. But many of us, I think, and self-included at times, 
we quickly respond to this and we say the moment has come and, and, and it's time and, and God is amongst us doing special things. But then we say, I'm just not feeling that. That sounds inspiring. It sounds great. But uh, look, at, look, at, look at my neighborhood. Look at my house. It's just, I mean, great words, but if you can, if it's going to shift or move something, then keep saying it. Otherwise, it's just not happening. I don't see it. What makes this moment, this day, any different from any day already gone by? Well, what I'm proposing this morning is this, is that while the moment may not be fully complete, there's more to be done, even still, the Kairos moment, the moment of action, is upon us. In other words, Jesus has not yet returned. No, we're not living in a perfect place. No, yet this Kairos moment has arrived. And if we choose to seize the moment, we'll find that it is the catalyst that leads to our ultimate destiny. But this first Kairos moment, this moment that will cause a shift in our lives, has arrived and we choose to accept it or not. See, seizing the moment, it doesn't instantly transfer us to the destiny that we hope for with God. It's not immediate. It's not that sudden, but it it begins a new phase in the journey. It's a process that we're being led through. And so for those who have faith to seize the moment, we are living now in that Kairos moment. And so today, what I, what I hope to do is to encourage the family of God to take the opportunity that is being laid before us. It's in our possession. It has been given to us. You possess the kingdom because he has given it to you. What now will we do with it? We can experience the kingdom of God as never before if we choose to engage it. It's not easy. And a lot of it is, involves what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. And Jesus laid out very clearly three things that it means to be a disciple. To deny yourself. Take up your cross. Accept the shame. And then follow Jesus. Those are not easy things. Those are hard things to do, but as we put those things into practice, we find ourselves enveloped in the kingdom of God because everything that we do sits under his authority. That's a kingdom of God. And there's a hidden power in that place that can only be discovered who live accordingly. You might hear things about what it's like, but it can't be experienced except by those who live according to the scripture. You won't discover it by working hard or putting in all this effort. You won't discover it by being a better Christian, whatever that is. But we discover it by complete surrender to the authority of Christ in our lives. That's a kingdom. And so as much of our lives that we surrender to his authority, there's the kingdom of God. My challenge to each one of us is that let the kingdom of God overwhelm every area of our lives, not protecting one place from his authority to say, I'm just going to keep control of this little spot, but every area of our lives under his authority, then he can do something special.
then he can do something amazing. Not just in our lives, but through our lives. It's bigger than us. The kingdom of God doesn't fit here. This is part of it, but it belongs out there. And it goes out there as long as I'm living surrendered to it, living in that place. I want to take just a minute this morning before we wrap up to take a look at a Kairos moment in the nation of Israel and glean a couple lessons from their experience. So I want to hop over to Exodus chapter 13 and read a few verses from Exodus chapter 13. Starting in verse 17. Exodus 13, starting in 17. Let's read a few verses where it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, If they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. 19. Then Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So what's happening here is this Kairos moment, this moment of opportunity had had come to the nation of Israel after being enslaved for over 400 years. Years in Egypt, the Kairos had arrived. The door was open for them to walk out. And so they do. They walk out of Israel. And as they walk, they begin to head eastward towards the promised land. And suddenly, their leader diverts. They see the goal. They know what's been promised to them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they take a right turn. And so no longer, as they're escaping the slavery, the Kairos moment had come. They seized it. They took the opportunity to leave the slavery. They're no longer there, but they also see where they belong. They see the destiny. And instead of walking towards the destiny, their leader now turns them to the side, and they can see the destiny behind them. But I thought, you were, I thought we were going, I thought that was what's happening. The promised land at the time was about 200, maybe a little more than 200 miles away from where they were in Egypt. That's roughly from like here to New York City. And if you, you, you get this concept, it's kind of like me telling you like, hey, I bought a house for you. It's, it's in New York. Just hop on 24 North and keep going for a few hours and I'll give you directions from there. <laughs> Wait, what? It, it made no sense to them. They were obedient They took the opportunity that the Lord had made. He swung the door wide open and they walked through it. Why are they walking away from the place that that God promised to them? But he makes it very clear in the scripture too. It says this, he didn't lead them through the Philistine country, although it was shorter, and there's a reason. God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He took them the scenic route for their own hearts, for their own well-being. See, the Father knows what we need. We think we know 
what we need, but he knows us even greater than we know ourselves. And here's the point where we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I feel like I know what I need. I definitely know what I want, but I'm not getting either of those things. So what's going on here? You have a decision to make in this moment. Are you going to experience the kingdom of God seizing the moment and put your desires and your will and needs under the authority of Christ? And keep following when he's leading you away from your destiny and desires. Are you going to take that moment and live in the kingdom? Or in that moment say, you can keep your kingdom because I want this more. He knows what we need. And he wants to give it to us now. But he knows that we can only bear so much. He's not going to give us something that's going to crush us. He's going to exercise our muscles. He's going to build us up and make us stronger so that when he gives it to us, we can hold it and we're not going to lose it. See, God builds things to last. He doesn't create things that are going to be crushed in a moment. He cares about the long game. He's in it with us. It was for their own sake that he led them into the desert the long way. Now, check this out, though. What does it say in verse 18? It said God led the people around the the desert road, and it was because of if they faced war, they were going to get discouraged and go back to Egypt. But this says, this is interesting. It says, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. The the most popular thought is that um, Moses is the author of Genesis and Exodus, kind of those first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch there. And so he's writing this, and it says that they, they left Egypt ready for battle. But God said, I can't take them the short way because then they're going to face battle. They were so certain that they were ready to, I mean, think about it. After that kind of captivity, they didn't even know what freedom was like, and all of a sudden they broke free. They probably felt like they could conquer the world. They left ready for battle. But God said, you're not ready for battle. And that's okay. I don't expect you to be. But don't go march out on your own because I know you better. And I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not setting you up for failure. God is not going to set us up for failure. When he creates an opportunity, he wants us to seize that moment. But don't expect it to look like what you think it's going to look like. Leave that part up to him. He knows the desires of your heart. And the the word even promises that when we seek first him and his kingdom, all of these things will come to pass. It's all about the kingdom. And it's a daily, moment-by-moment decision to live in that kingdom by surrendering your desires and your decisions to his authority. To his authority. Let's jump ahead to, uh, let's read verse 20 in 20, 20 to 22. It says, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. And neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I love this passage because it reminds us, it gives us something tangible, something physical that these people experience, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar by night, 
physically in front of them, leading them. Like where this pillar would go, that's how they know the directions. They're just following this pillar. See, the presence of God never left them. His desire is to always be together with us at all times. Whatever we're going through, wherever he's leading us, it is never to a place that is outside of his presence. We don't belong anywhere alone. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about being with him, existing in that unbroken relationship with him, constantly connected and fostering that connection with him. He wants us together, and that happens by existing in his kingdom. When we choose to step outside, that's where he lives. That's his kingdom. He doesn't want that broken connection. He is always with us. The tricky part is this. He doesn't grab you and drag you along because he knows what's the best for you. (laughs) He says, it's this way. It's this way. He leads us faithfully, but we have to follow willingly. He ain't going to drag you anywhere you don't want to go because that's what free will is all about. It belongs to you, and he's not taking it back. But at the end of the day, God is God. We have to choose to follow him willingly, and then we will find our place that we've been destined for. It's a willing follow knowing that as long as we are following him, his presence is in that place. And that is the absolute best place that we can be. Whatever those circumstances look, look like, if our hearts are yielded to him and we're living in alignment with him in his kingdom, then our circumstances, whatever they may be, sickness or health, rich or poor, our circumstances are determined by him. And the challenge now for us is to learn to be content in whatever place that is, whatever circumstances look like, we can be content there because God's presence is with us. And as long as we have that presence, we have all the provision that we need. And as long as we have that presence, we know we're continually marching towards that destiny. If we begin to lose a glimpse of him, now we need to be questioned, get our bearings. Am I in the right place? Have I sidestepped? Am I moving in the wrong way? Because it's all about his presence and following that wherever he leads. Being with him, soaking up the moments, not rushing through anything, but absorbing the moments and letting those kairos moments of opportunity kind of bubble to the surface and let him do in our lives the things that he wants to do. Finally, let's read the first four verses of Exodus 14 where it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi-Hiroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh." And all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. As the pillar of cloud is leading them through the desert, they're finding it moving in these zigzags back and forth. They look like a nation of fools that have no idea where they're going. 
They look like a bunch of slaves that have never stepped foot out of a country and don't know where they are. And that's what they were supposed to look like because God had intention for that. The whole point was that Pharaoh would see and know what they were doing and then be drawn to them to try to take advantage. It made, see, it made Israel look ridiculous in Egypt's eyes. And guess what? It made Israel look, look ridiculous in Israel's eyes too. But they did it because that's where the presence of the Lord led them. And so they followed it. His ways and thoughts are far beyond our ways and thoughts. Is it okay if what the Lord is leading us to do makes us look ridiculous? Will we, will we live in that ridiculous state knowing that that's where the kingdom of God is for me today? Knowing that that circumstance has been assigned to me today, but also trusting that just like in this scenario, it's setting something up special that could never happen if I had my own way. He's setting something up special. See, he's drawing the Egyptians to Israel because he wanted once and for all to obliterate the threat and the dangers and the oppression that his people had been facing. It's crazy because the Israelites were as sure of their own defeat as they see the Egyptians coming to them and now they're in eyeshot. They can see them off in the distance, the hordes of chariots and army coming towards them. They see this and they're as sure that of their own defeat about to happen as the Egyptian army was sure that they were about to obliterate the people of God. Yet God had purpose in it. It looked like destruction but the people sat it out and waited and God had purpose for it. And the purpose to glorify the name of God, what it all comes down to. See, even when we've stepped out in faith, we see this kairos moment of opportunity. We step into that. It doesn't mean that we're exempt from threatening circumstances. Real-life dangerous situations may occur. Drawn-out times of dryness in our walk with the Lord, may occur. But in these moments, we hold on to the things that God has whispered into our heart. We remember the promises of God. We think about all the fulfillment, the fulfilled promise that he has given, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our family and friends, in all the lives of the scripture that we've read about and learned about over the years. That's fulfillment. You are in that cloud of witnesses. You haven't seen fulfillment of your promise yet because it's still in process. See, seizing the moment isn't instantaneous, but it moves us further into the process as we follow him faithfully. It's not going to look like what we expect it to, but in every place that we set our foot, when we're surrendering to him, that's the place where the kingdom of God has come. And now we can not just pray with our lips and say, God, let your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. But now when I've decided to surrender, the kingdom is here. Now I can bring the kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven because I'm carrying that. We carry that. There's a power in that. And this passage shows us so clearly 
that God's glory, which is the ultimate purpose of all of us, God is glorified in the well-being of his people. He did what he did with the nation of Israel to obliterate the enemy. He does what he does in our lives to prepare us for the ultimate destiny and to move these threats and dangers away from us. So you might be in the desert moments, but we can still rest knowing that he is with us and will take us the whole rest of the way because he doesn't take us halfway there and then just leave us stranded or take us halfway there and leave us a roadmap and say, I got to go tend to my other flock over here. He carries us the whole way, all the way to that ultimate destination. For some of us, it feels like we're right on the brink. We've, we've gone through those desert times, and now we're on the edge. We're on the border of the promised land. We see it. We see the land flowing with milk and honey, and then we look closer, and we see that it's full of giants that we could never overtake. There's too many obstacles. I know you've taken me through all this, Lord, but that's just too much. We cannot give up. We cannot turn around because he does not take us only so far to leave us there and say, hey, that's what it could have been like if only you were better. If you're going to listen to me more, that's what it could have been like. God is a a God who is patient, gentle, kind, long-suffering, which means even when we screw up, he didn't depart from us. He's right there no matter how far we wander from the Lord or from his kingdom. As soon as we turn around and say, God, I'm sorry, he's right there. He wasn't in the place where you parted. He's right there the whole time. He doesn't, that's what it means to say, I don't leave you or forsake you. Because when we leave him, he's chasing after us. We serve a God that pursues us. He chases after you. So no matter where we've wandered, when the Holy Spirit's conviction finally wakes us up and we turn to him, there he is, ready to wrap us up in his arms and embrace us in that place. He's carrying you to a destination, and he is determined to bring you there as long as you willingly follow. As long as we willingly follow. I was listening to this story in in closing here um, just a week or two ago about a bunch of baby turtles that had just hatched on the beach. And uh, most sea turtles actually are considered endangered species, and they're protected by like federal law and all these kinds of things. You can't touch them or, or anything. But there was this nest of turtles, the eggs had just hatched. And so when the eggs hatch, you got all these tiny little like baby turtles that are so cute, these little shells and these little paws and things. And the inclination of the people that were watching this happen was like, oh, the, you know, it draws the attention. And you want to just, you see them struggling to get out of that big sand nest and then walk towards the sea. They kind of instinctively know how to get to the ocean, which is really cool. And they're climbing out of that pit and trying to get to the ocean. And it takes on average 48 to 72 hours for them to get themselves out of that nest and then all the way to the water. And so as the group of people was watching this happen, they were cautioned by the person who was in charge, don't touch them. I know they're cute. I know they're cuddly. You want to help them. But you can't carry them to the water. See, this journey that they take for this two to three days to the, to the ocean is what they need. Their bodies need this time to take up and soak up as much oxygen as possible so that they are prepared for the swim that is ahead of them. 
See, they need that journey, and only then will they be able to make the swim after they endure that journey on the sand and take that time in. It can't be rushed. You could pick them up and carry them to the ocean, and then a day or two later, they'll be floating on the top of that ocean because they did not prepare their lungs. They weren't ready for it. They couldn't receive it as they were. It doesn't change their destiny. It's just about timing. They belong in the ocean, but they have to traverse the sand to get there. Family, today we share a great calling. The time has come and the kingdom of God has come near. There are things that the Lord has destined for our lives, but the journey to that fulfillment is necessary for our success. The journey to our destiny is as important to our success as the very last step. So this morning, my challenge to us is to watch him, see where he's moving, and follow in surrender. When it's hard and when you're discouraged, when it doesn't make sense, when you look ridiculous, follow in surrender and trust the timing of the Lord. When he has said it, it is as good as done. If he spoke the word, you will see it happen. It's just a matter of his timing. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much, oh God, for your passion for us. And I thank you that you know all things, God, and, and we can trust you fully. I thank you for the peace that we can find when we don't have to have all the answers, when things don't have to make sense for us to move. There's a peace that we can know that is deeper than anything we can understand when we let go of having to control and know all the details. So Lord, lead us to this place where we don't have to know it all. You don't have to lay out every step from one to 10 because you lead one at a time and we can just trust you in that place. So this morning, God, we release to you control of our lives. We surrender it to you. We trust your will. We know that you have a master plan. We know that you've spoken promises over our lives, and they will be realized. Be it today, be it a year or years from now, they will be realized because the word of the Lord has spoken. And when you speak, things come into existence. We take you at your word. Give us the strength, Father, to follow you faithfully and willingly. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen.